Welcome back to the most overprepared show in the history of mankind. Wow! Bitch Weekly! Hello, this is Assistant News Editor James Chow, and you're listening to Beach Weekly, a news podcast from the Daily 49er at Long Beach State. Beach Weekly! This podcast will be covering stories that were in this week's special issue. I'm here with Carlos Viacana, our very own special projects editor, who spearheaded this week's issue. I love the royalty-free music. Yeah, and I created it. I get no royalties. Anyway, we had a special issue this week. So in the special issue, we had eight stories coming this week. Let's talk about it. Okay. So the eight stories in the Daily 49 special issue, which is based all around the different colleges at the university, that being Long Beach State. So they go College of Engineering, College of Education, Liberal Arts, City Arts, Continuing and Professional Education, Health and Human Services, Business Administration, and Natural Sciences and Mathematics. So for each one, we had writers take on a story about something that is happening at one of these colleges, be it something about student issues, something on faculty, with their facilities, that's really what all eight of the stories touched on in some form or another. They took about a month to prepare, and yeah, I mean, they're all out there now in the special issue, which I guess by the time you're listening to this, I mean, they'll probably only be able to pick it up physically Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Uh, but the stories are online on the Daily 49ers website, all marked with a special section before the actual headline. Uh, you can also find them on our social media, and if you really want a physical copy of the paper, which has a cute cover from our uh, news editor, Emma DiMaggio, um, you can probably just stop by LA4201 and ask for a physical copy. And we will provide. We will deal it to you. Possibly. There are no guarantees. Yeah. Maybe I won't like you and I won't give it to you. I don't know. That, that too. Just stop by when I'm not here. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. I like all of you guys and girls. All of y'all. I love all of y'all. All y'all! Anyway, let's talk a little bit about what these stories are. Let's start with College of Business. So can you tell me a little bit of what story that is? Okay, so I'll do like a little preview of each of the eight stories. And um, we'll start with College of Business. The College of Business story is a little different than all the other ones in that it's just a Q&A with one of the college's uh, ASI senators. Now there's two ASI senators per college, except for the College of Continuing and Professional Education, which has zero. We only spoke to one of the ASI senators, or at least only one is featured in the issue, really primarily for space reasons. That's a thing that we have to consider sometimes here at the paper. Right. And so we did it in Q&A format to distinguish it, a conversation with uh, Robert Martinez, one of the two ASI senators. He's a 42-year-old student who is going to graduate in the spring. And he had a conversation with Mark Lindahl, one of our reporters, primarily a little bit about himself and then mostly about what he plans to do in the semester that's to come. And a lot of it had to do with the beach pantry. I don't really want to give it all away, so you can go read it. There's a little bit more than just the beach pantry, but you can visit the Daily 49ers website to read the rest of that. Yes, you can. Yeah. All right, how about we dive into the College of Health and Human Services? Okay, so the College of Health and Human Services, that's another one of these stories where kind of from the get-go of where I had the idea and for a lot of these I kind of have to come up with the idea myself that's kind of what my job entails is really pitching these ideas and finding writers for them the College of Business one spoke to ASI senators because I figured well if anyone's going to be like a figurehead who can speak on behalf of students it's probably that person 
and we kind of took a similar approach with the College of Health and Human Services, except rather than focus on the whole college, I did what you'll notice we kind of did for a lot of these other ones, is that we focused on one specific department within the college or one section of it to try to tell a story of something that's happening there instead of trying to tell a broad story that would take a lot longer than the about a month that we had to work on this. The College of Health and Human Services story, it's really three mini profiles on three students. One has already graduated, two are still studying here, hoping to become nurses out in the professional world. And it's mostly just talking about their experiences here in the nursing program here, talking about how hard it is, and also some of like the better moments they've had during their time here. I'm sure a lot of us aren't too familiar with what nursing students go through, but everyone seems to kind of have an idea that that's something that's pretty hard and competitive. And so through the three students that were profiled, we kind of tried to tell a little bit of a story of what you would find there. Uh, and then moving on, we have the College of Engineering, and so we had a reporter speak to specifically female engineering, not just students, but also some faculty, about their experiences as female or even just women of color engineers, what that's like. I'm sure we've all heard stories about how alienating it can be to some women, and women of color especially, to be in a very like male-dominated major such as engineering. And so I thought it'd be interesting to see what it's like here and then also to see what the actual college itself is doing to try to boost enrollment with women and women of color and maybe what they're trying to do to also help with some of the more negative experiences that people may have had. And that's primarily what the story focuses on. All right. And you covered the CCPE story. So can you tell me a little bit about that? It's, it's a tour of CCPE. Yeah, so the College of Continuing Professional Education, really long name. It seems to be kind of, from what I gather, the college that's like the least known around these parts. It's like a new building that opened this semester. It's sitting on a State University Drive in between the outpost and the USU. It's three floors, and I kind of just thought, hey, it, might, it looks a little bit nicer because it's newer. It looks kind of nicer than a lot of parts around here. And because of that, I thought, well, hey, I don't think most people know of this place. And I noticed that we hadn't covered it. So I thought it might be interesting to do something, again, a little different that breaks from the format of a traditional story and try to do a uh, like a visual guide to the building and all of its functions and what it does and what they're planning on bringing to the building. Uh, if you pick it up in print, it's really just like a little brief story about like 200 something words. It just goes over some of like its functions, what it has, and then what they'd like to bring to the building. But if you look online, it's that plus a couple of photos detailing what, say, the classrooms have in them or what this conference room that they have on the first floor has or what the outside area that people can hang out on has and things that the building's manager told me they'd like to bring to it. What are your initial thoughts when you first went into the building? It's a little different than all the other ones in a way because there's not like a central area to go to. The conference room is separate from what would be, I guess, like the main lobby, which has just like a couple chairs to sit in, the elevators, and then like a few bathrooms. Those are separate, and then that's basically the first floor, that plus the outdoor area. And then going upstairs, the second and third floors aren't closed off, like they're open. And they just have like some couches and little charging stations, and it has a really nice view, but other than that, all it has are classrooms that vary in size, and like the second and third floor are the same. They're pretty neat. I was told that they're pretty much always occupied though, and that they're primarily just used by CCP right now, but they'd like to open them up in the future to other colleges in the school, which would probably be nice because, I mean, it is they are like newer classrooms, so they come with stuff like assistive learning devices for people who have hearing aids 
and writable surfaces, like the windows you can just write on. And I think that's pretty cool for like assignments. I mean, from what I was told, the classes are made so that people will be moving around. I like the idea of it. They have like classrooms that are made to have the class moving and being active throughout their lessons. Because I find personally, at least, that it keeps you more entertained to have to do that than to just sit there and absorb like this lecture, especially when the lecturer, like no offense, isn't very energetic and engaging yeah all right i guess moving on so we also had a feature on the shark lab well primarily the students that worked in the shark lab can i talk a little bit more about that yeah so that's an idea that i had because the shark lab one specifically i mean i think most people know what the long beach state shark lab is it's covered so frequently in so many places from like here at the 49er to local outlets like the press telegram i mean it's been written about so much specifically dr chris lowe who's the guy who leads the shark lab and while he's an interesting guy and he always has some cool stuff to say we hear from him a lot everyone knows his face and i'm sure that's the face people associate with that shark lab which is a neat little place to check out in the hall of science but my thought was just while we're trying to write not exclusively but largely about students and their experiences to give other students in other parts of the university a view at what it's like to be a engineering student and an education student and in this case a science student who works at the shark lab mm-hmm. uh, and so the profile which is really good actually i really liked it it's it, probably one of my favorite stories i've edited all semester It basically starts off being like a mini profile about the shark lab, but with material that at least I haven't seen elsewhere. Um, A lot of really interesting backstory about how it got to where it is and how it's so big and now it has all these tech that it uses. And then it turns into a profile about three people. And so it does this little thing like a student spotlight on three individuals who work at the shark lab doing different things. Um, And it's Arthur Barraza, Alyssa Clevenstein, and Taylor Smith are the three students that the reporter spoke to. And just in reading each little section, you get a bit about who they are, why they're there, and the work that they do. And I think it's really interesting just to see what else goes on there and what it's like for the students who work there. The Shark Lab is always kind of interesting and Dr. Lowe's interesting, but that's not all that's there. Like the, the headline of the article says, the Shark Lab is more than a one-man show. And yeah, it literally is. And I just thought, hey, it might be interesting to see what else is going on there and to recognize the work that others are doing at this place that's so famous with the school famous enough that people were saying the shark should be a mascot because of our lab that's so known uh we also have video coverage of this story and it features more um voices from from students who were working in the shark lab that is out available on all platforms just kidding it's not available on soundcloud it's only available on youtube in the daily 49er but you know you can watch it check it out on there it's on our instagram too i saw it was uploaded as like a little slideshow on the instagram oh yeah you are it's very, pretty nice, nice. Mm-hmm. All right, and then let's move on to the College of Liberal Arts. Oop, I covered that story. Would, would you just like to take over on this one, sir? Yeah, I'll take over on this okay, one. Okay, so College of Liberal Arts, I'll, I'll start off. Yeah, so I found out about this just by doing a little digging online, and I found out about this place called the CSULB Center for the History of Video Games and Critical Play, run by uh, two history professors, Jeffrey Lawler and Sean Smith. Rather than go on, I'll just have the man who covered the story, James Chow, you know, your, your weekly host here, talk more about it. So uh, why don't you let us know what you found out about the CSULB Center for the History of Video Games and Critical Play. It's funny because I actually had one of the professors featured in this article for one of my classes, my uh, old History 172 class with Jeffrey Lawler. That's uh, early United States history. Don't buy the book. It's expensive. Go look for it at the library. 
That's true. Uh, Lawler actually morphed a class into something different. I know they do a video game assignment. It kind of uses the um, Twine, which is an op- open source storytelling medium. He lets his students kind of create these stories using a historical context. And that's kind of like one of his first implementations of bringing gaming to campus. Him and Sean Smith, they also have another history course that actually does analysis on video games. But primarily the center that just started over a year ago, it started off as a website, criticalplay.org. The center and the website look toward historical context of video games and kind of critique it. The center is basically for students who are interested in research to actually play those video games on vintage consoles because they do have video game consoles such as the Atari, the GameCube. I think I might have seen a PS4 in some of those photos too, so it's like they have the newer stuff too, right? They do, yeah. They basically got the newer consoles from, well, the whole center, they were able to get a $15,000 grant, but they primarily rely on donations because that grant is not very sustainable for them. It was good enough for them to start up the center, but they rely heavily on looking at other grants and getting donations for older games or older TVs or older video game consoles that people aren't using they're just picking up dust and yeah the center is open to the public so anyone who is interested in research or just wants to come in and play uh play video game or two or even a board game because you do have board games there too can play yeah and where would they do that they would do it in fo2 209 i believe yeah and uh that is located around a little broad building's Literally right next to Liberal Arts 4, so if you're just walking up to the library at any point, um, just head into FO2, go upstairs, and you'll find it. All right. Cool. Let's uh, move along. Right, move along, move along, like we always do. Okay, <laughs> let's, move, let's move along, and let's talk about uh, the College of Education. Okay, so the College of Education, kind of like the College of Business, went back to the ASI senators, because those were the most public faces of the college, who are also students. And what originally was assigned as a profile about, say, a student trying to become a teacher and how hard that is to actually be a teacher and then get a job or anything like that became a story about an issue that, at least according to these two ASI senators that represent the college, they feel the college is facing, which is a lot of the students there feel kind of isolated from the campus because I guess there's two sections of the college, and one of them is kind of like a credential program, and in both, for varying reasons, be it their curriculum or having to go out and go be a teacher and work with like an actual teacher who is mentoring them, they don't get to spend a whole lot of time here on campus and get involved in any way, and so there's like kind of this lack of sense of community, and the story is mostly just talking to them about that and then what they'd like to do to mitigate that and help bring the College of Education and its students closer to the rest of the campus. Uh, and to read more about that, check the daily49er.com. The story is called College of Education, Members Feel Distance from Campus Community. And our last story that was covered in the special issue was the College of the Arts, the Fine Arts Building, and our very own assistant news editor, Hannah Gatahun, covered it. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it to this podcast, but Carlos is here to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll keep going if hopefully you're not tired of my voice. So the uh, College of the Arts story... I spoke with Hannah about it for a bit, just because of the nature of the story. It's basically going over how, uh, I mean, if you talk to art students or faculty, you'll often hear that like their facilities, their buildings are not the best. Let's put it that way, putting it pretty nicely, really. Having been a film student for a while myself, I can attest to that. A lot of my classes were in UTC and in FA1, and uh, those buildings could use some work. 
story ends up focusing on Fine Arts 4, which is the largest building they have. It's uh, three floors, I believe. That's uh, where you'll find mostly the School of Art, which includes stuff like animation, illustration, and other more uh, specialized programs. If you walk around, you'll notice paint coming off the building. Sometimes tiles look like they're broken or like they're going inward a little bit. And so Hannah t- talked to people about their experiences in the building and how it could be repaired and then tried to find out a little bit about uh, how far along are these repairs actually like when are they going to come and yeah i mean you'd think college of the arts you have all these music and film and art students who make stuff i mean if you just walk into the school of art art galleries between uh i think it's fine arts two and three you'll see like a new round of like art physical art that people have to make or installations and they're beautiful a lot of the time so you think, oh yeah, College of the Art, it's so easy to find someone who you can write a nice cheery little profile on with a lot of cool images, but it's also worth recognizing that these people are having to work in not the greatest conditions, which a lot of us aren't really, but I know for the College of the Arts it's been a problem for a while. I'm sure if you look through the Daily 49ers stories on College of the Arts buildings, you'll see stuff about how people have been for a while complaining about it. I know like a few years ago, it might have been like a year or two ago really there was like a movement to really step up and get people to complain and do something about it and it still kind of seems to be a persistent problem and yeah to get the specifics about that story you can just go on to a daily49er.com in the news section under special section you'll see a story about fine arts Ford in there and read through that to learn about what people are saying working in that building has been like all right, that was a roundup of all the eight stories that were in the special issue. Overall, how did you think it came out? So I was the guy steering the ship on this one, and just from the staff at least, and from our advisors, I've heard like pretty much just praise, which is great. You know, um, it's always good when your work gets recognized, especially when, at least for me, someone who likes to get really creative with these things, I will frequently feel like this could be better. This isn't as good, and with this one, I'm like. Of course it can be better, but I'm actually really satisfied with how this overall came out. It, it feels really nice. The writing is, I think, pretty strong. I, I really liked the way it was put together largely and like the sequence of the stories and the variety in them and the format of them. I think it came out really well, and I'm glad to hear that other people that I work with think the same. And I've been looking at like the stories on social media, the attention they're getting, and it's like each of these, for the most part, they have been getting actually quite a bit of reaction or at least quite a bit in comparison to other stuff that we put out and i'm glad to see it you know it's always nice when people acknowledge your work and, and like it and monday the finals issue is going on stands and there'll be that'll be the 49ers last physical issue for the semester you know just like everyone else after that we're going to move on into doing all of our final exams and papers so you can look forward to that to find some other interesting stuff on monday morning when you get here and i'll fit out the week yeah, you basically wrapped it up. And to all the listeners out there, good luck on finals if you're a student. And, you know, happy holidays if you're anybody else. Well, I mean, just everybody. Happy holidays, just you know. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy man. holidays to everybody. We will have. Unless you want to have a miserable holiday, I guess you can do that too. I mean, yeah, we're not stopping you. Yeah, I would. Listen, if, if the misery will make you happy, go for it. Yeah, well, that's a podcast. Um, no, no, that's indeed a podcast. Yeah, we usually sing the outro of the podcast. I'm not doing that. Why not? Come on. Nope. No? Alright, here's the actual outro music.